Hello, hello, all you lovely listeners out there. Welcome back to our tenth episode. Andy, we made it to ten. How we the heck made it are to you? ten. I am doing well. We made it to ten. Just overcoming and recuperating from the crazy, crazy World Cup final that we had. Paul, how are you doing? You had called Argentina from the get-go, and it's finally come true. It came home for you. Yes, it did. Oh, I'm on cloud nine. I'm actually on cloud ten. I think. Uh, yeah. It's just. It's a great. It's a great feeling. I there was a thought before and during that game though where I was like, man, I don't know if I can go on and record this if Argentina <laughs> lose. So we'll yeah. see. Yes. Oh, yes. But they they did not disappoint. So no. you have to be so over the moon. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations you. to everyone in Argentina. You guys have waited for this for such a long time. You have Maradona now. Now that he has passed, you have a new Maradona uh, to look to. And his name is Lionel Messi. And it is the same four words or for same four letters as the same four letters in Messiah. So I'll let you guys yeah. uh, do the math from there and see where the connection is. <laughs> Very good. Yes. I uh, just wanted to do a quick shout out. We we have some listeners uh, in Canada as well that we did not shout out last week because I did not see them last week. So I wanted to shout them out as well as our listeners in, in Germany, Norway, and the Dominican Republic. So thank you to all you guys for listening. Andy, oh, let's all just take a nice deep breath. Our three to four weeks of pandemonium is over. Oh, all right, just like it's just like that, yeah. it's done. Yeah, it's crazy. <sighs> mm-hmm. All right, now that we're done with our breathing exercises, let's let's go to the semis, Andy. Starting okay. with with Croatia and Argentina. What what did you see mm-hmm. in that game? So from what I saw, I wasn't able to see the first half, but I, from the second half that I saw it everything pan out the way you had said it needed to pan out for Argentina to win where they needed to be up by two goals and from there I saw Argentina just play smart didn't try to do anything too fancy didn't try to have put too much pressure on Croatia in chance that they would hit on the counterattack. um they that was a professional performance uh by Argentina in my my opinion yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I was saying last week Argentina needed at least two because Croatia hadn't scored more than one goal, and they went out and got three and won three nil. And yeah, mm-hmm. bing, bam, boom, take care of business, move on to the final. You know. Yeah, definitely. And it was one of those games where you could say it's fitting with this trend that Argentina are growing, getting better and better in each game that they're playing. Obviously, starting from the yeah. first loss with Saudi Arabia in the World Cup to coming to this semifinal, they look like a completely different team, a solid team. Honestly, it looked like they had been playing for years together. Yeah. So that was fitting along with the trend, which had to, had to make you happy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very happy and it was cautiously optimistic though. Cause again, you know, didn't know who we were going to face because France and Morocco had to play the next day on Wednesday. So it was like, you know, just holding out hope. I was I, I was a big Morocco supporter that Wednesday. Let me tell you, because mm. I knew mm. that would be an easier pass, path to Messi's first World Cup. But let's move right into that. France and Morocco. Sure. It, holy Mbappe, Andy. Holy Mbappe. Yeah, holy, holy Mbappe. Just finding this way to win. He's so calm, cool, and collected. I think like that's the key for every French player because none of them look 
incredibly phased regardless of anything. Kylian Mbappe doesn't look phased by anything. Olivier Giroud, Hugo Lloris, uh, Antoine Griezmann to some extent. Um, they don't show any sorts of that if this was any fuss. Um, so really they have some great, a great mentality in that team. Um, but yeah, what stood out for you in this match, uh, with France and Morocco? Um, cause it was kind of decided a little bit earlier in, from the yeah. first goal, but yeah. for you, what did you notice and what were your kind of fears head- then heading into the, the final? France looked really dangerous and that they could score from pretty much anywhere. I mean, you know, Morocco, you knew how Morocco was going to play. They were going to sit back. You were looking at the Hakimi Mbappe matchup. That was one thing we keyed last week. And mm-hmm. France just took it to them. And it was just attack after attack after attack. And no one can really withstand that, you know, unless you go mm-hmm. back to the the Italy team of 2006, right? Who are just meant to absorb that much pressure and then boom, counterattack goal, you know? So right. it was sad. It was sad to see Morocco's dream, dream run, run come to an end. But yeah, France to me, it just, they just looked like they were too much. Yeah. It was, it was great for France to get that opening goal in the fourth minute. Uh, because actually from the first get go, it was Morocco wanting to start playing and start taking the attack to France saying, you know, we're not just going to try to go for uh, a counterattack initially. We're going to come at you. Uh, yeah. Almost similar to probably how they went with Argentina and saying, we're not, we're not going to roll over. We're going to try to surprise you, uh, surprise you that way. Um, yeah. But and- a little, a little slip from Morocco uh, with uh, uh, Griezmann finding the right space with the layoff, really tidy uh, finish to get it then over to, or tidy pass to get it to Giroud. Shoots scuffles a little bit there, but then to have Teo Hernandez, uh, to come up and put it away completely, completely changed the game. Uh, and so now it was Morocco then having to chase, which was right what, right what France wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And a quick point on that. That's actually what Morocco did to France a little bit. I mean, it quickly changed kind of coming out being a little bit more aggressive. That's actually what Croatia did to Argentina too. They, mm-hmm. they came out, they dominated possession. I mean, they, mm. they had more possession throughout the game. And at one point it was like 60, 60, 30, 65, 35, something like that. And I was like, what is going on? And you could see it in the game, but yeah. Argent, it was one of those things. It was, it was like the Portugal Morocco game where Croatia was possessing the ball in their defensive half and in the middle of the field, but had nothing in the attacking third. So, mm. yeah. And, yeah, and Messi was a masterclass in that game. Um, but sorry, quick sidebar, you know, France and Morocco. Yeah, just that tide quickly turned and France was just like, it was like turning on a light switch, right? After that first goal happened, it was like, well, mm-hmm. this has changed. Yeah, yeah. And it looked like to me too that this was maybe a little out of the comfort zone of Morocco. They seemed to, it, their inexperience I think showed in this this instant where immediately then they tried to kind of rush and they didn't seem to know what to do and they kind of lost their identity a little bit um lose their composure uh from yeah. the from the event of that so but nothing to take away from this amazing moroccan team this amazing run uh first yeah. african team to get to a semi-final that is incredible thinking you know of all the great african teams uh from ghana from cameroon that have advanced into quarterfinals to then have uh, Morocco come in to solidify a semifinal, hopefully starting the trend of seeing more African nations in semifinal games. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
my thing with the African nations that I loved watching was their passion. The fans' passion mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. amazing. Watching watching teams, supporters from Africa – jumping dancing and singing for the entire game mm-hmm. and they were out there before the game started doing it too mm-hmm. i was just amazed and it, it was it was kind of contagious you know like i wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. rooting for them depending on the situation but it was like man i feel that energy and i'm loving it yeah yeah and it was such positive energy too it was all of them just yeah. supporting their team they were dancing they had dance troops along of everyone playing the entire game so the entire 90 minutes they're not stopping dancing just like the players aren't stopping running so yeah. that's kind of was kind of poetic to see that and seeing like that uh support behind their warriors if you if you will uh, yeah. of people always always in support so it was very very cool to see plus morocco had so many times where they're showing hakimi and his mom and other players and their moms and their their mutual embraces was really was really touching. So yeah. Africa definitely won over the hearts uh, of all the uh, viewers of the World Cup. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, Andy, so Croatia Morocco lost, and they go into the third place game. Croatia mm-hmm. wins, and that was that for them. Yep, uh, we. I did not watch any of the third place game because yeah. I was more focused on what was going to happen for the grand finale of yeah. France and Argentina. Do you want to just go into that? No offense to Croatia and Morocco, but there's so much to get through in this grand yeah. final, the finale, excuse me, that we we just have to go into it, have to acknowledge yeah. it. Yeah, I'm good with that. Let's let's jump right into it. Let's do it. All right. So what? So incredible, incredible game. Uh, initially starting at uh, 2-0 in favor of Argentina. Then in with about 15 minutes, 10 minutes left in the game, in the blink of an eye, that vanishes to 2-2. We go into extra time. Messi uh, gets the leading, uh, the go-ahead goal, and maybe two, three minutes later it felt like then Mbappe puts France up at the end, converting a, a penalty. <laughs> Sends it into penalty kicks. And if you've been anywhere near social media, you know the rest of the story. Yes. So, Paul, as the resident Argentinian fan, lead me, walk me through the game. Your emotions leading up to the game and then what you first noticed in that in that first half. Yeah, I mean... I had a good feeling going into it because Argentina looked really strong. It looked like they had gotten stronger and stronger every game in the knockout stages, uh, like you mentioned earlier. And so I was like, you know, I've, I've got a good feeling. I think they're going to be just fine. And as soon as the game starts, Argentina is bossing the ball. They are hunting it. It honestly reminded mm-hmm. me of the Barcelona teams from the Pep Guardiola era where, you know, when we don't have the ball, we are hunting to get it back so the other team can't have it, which mm. is what it looked like to me. Because on every every second ball, Argentina was getting to it. Anytime Mbappe mm. had the ball, there were two or three guys around him. Usman Dembele was a shadow of a thought. Like, mm-hmm. he was basically non-existent. Giroud only had a couple of the ball, a couple touches mm-hmm. of the ball. And Antoine Griezmann had to defend basically the whole first half, which is exactly yep. what you want if you're Argentina, right? So mm-hmm. I'm like, man, sure. I'm fe- I'm feeling good. Di Maria looked like he was 10 years younger, mm-hmm. and he was just flying. 
absolutely schooling Dembele, drawing the penalty. Messi converts it. And then later on the counterattack, Messi with a beautiful touch pass to, I believe it was Alvarez who sprung McAllister, who then passed it to Di Maria and Di Maria slots at home. That was, by the way, in that sequence of passing, I think there, everything was a one touch pass except for Messi. Yeah. He took a touch and then sprung it out. It was, it was incredible. My jaw dropped because that was such a classic counterattacking goal. Uh, coming from either, if it was either the corner kick or a set piece from France, but yeah. they were able to quickly just progress it up, uh, and just so smooth, so seamlessly. It was honestly like watching a, uh, watching silk being made. It was just so, um, so clean and everything was the right. Like, I think you could predict yeah. who should like get past you next if you were watching it. And that's exactly how it unfolded. Went to the yeah. right space at the right time, past the right player knew was happening at the right time. It was like, oh, it was it was very pleasing to watch, very pleasing on the eye. Oh, yeah. And it's like Lionel Scaloni had drawn it up on the whiteboard, right? He draws mm-hmm. a line, and that's where the ball goes, and then another one, and then another one, and then Di Maria, and then back of the net, right? And that's exactly yeah. how it happened. So, yeah. Did you yeah, did at, you see Di Maria tear up near the end of just oh, scoring his, his goal? Um, I, yes. That was touching. Yes, absolutely. My My wife and I both saw that and we were just like, Oh my gosh, it was, it was so amazing to watch his emotion. And honestly, mm-hmm. Di Maria has been Argentina's talisman. I mean, all the big games he scored the lone goal mm-hmm. in the Copa America final to get Messi his first senior trophy, uh, first senior international trophy. And then he scores mm-hmm. again, draws the penalty. I mean, he is playing unbelievably well. Yeah. So much I so. Heard- oh, sorry. I was just going to say so much so that France has to make a change in the 41st minute and bring off two of their main strikers. Like, mm, yeah. Yeah. And at, the, it at was, this point, at this point, I'm just like, France is panicking there. And I literally say this out loud to nobody. Cause I'm watching this game alone. I, France is panicking and I'm just, I'm mm. loving it. I have been screaming and running around because Argentina is up to nil and they're absolutely dominating this game. So I'm just yeah. like, Oh man, this is great. And then the second half happens, but sorry, I cut yeah. you off. Go ahead. No, you're, you're good. Um, cause I would say one of the things that I was found more touching with Di Maria was I remember Di Maria when he was at United, uh, and mm-hmm. he had some incredible, he had an incredible start to his time at United and then it quickly deteriorated. And that led up to, I think the world cup where, uh, he was injured for the world cup final, wasn't able to play. Um, so you're just yeah. seeing this man with like, his emotions, but not being able to play this entire time and knowing, you know, how much he does mean to the Argentina team and what yeah. he can provide and him having the, having the game that he had to give Argentina, you know, that chance to give that, to give them that chance to win the game and play so well at the highest, most scrutinized game of anyone's career. Uh, yeah. that was, was very touching to see. So I, I definitely felt for, definitely felt for Angel Di Maria. Um, so I sent my, my heart emoji out, uh, or my heart hands out. And that's actually who I've gotten that from. So people who know me in real life, if you ever see me do that, I've gotten that from Angel Di Maria. Cause I think it's just a very, a very wholesome little celebration. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he was, he was the talisman. He was yeah. incredible. Put, as they say, put Dembele on toast, uh, made Dembele honestly look like a little kid trying to defend. Um, yeah. and that really, honestly, like, because of um, how good Di Maria was, 
Didier Deschamps had to completely change his strategy by taking off the person that was defending Anil Di Maria uh, in Dembele, which was, I think, was the right, <laughs> the right yeah. substitution there. Um, and bring off Olivier Giroud, who do, may not seem like the right substitution, but in terms of what Giroud was providing in that French team, they needed to completely scrap the board. Uh, and to yeah. get back into this game, they had to have a new look France. Uh, and that didn't pay off immediate dividends. Yeah, it, it took some time. And honestly, Di Maria was to Argentina what Mbappe what France wanted Mbappe to be, right? Attacking down that left side. And Andy, why is Usman and Dembele guarding Angel Di Maria at the touchline of France's goal? Like, so, he's, like, why, it just kind of shows from, how everything broke down from the French perspective, right? From a yeah, tactics so the big, the big weakness I heard from this French team was that that right side was not well balanced. Uh, Koundé, yeah. who is the right back, is actually more of a center back. Yep. So he didn't really bomb forward uh, to kind of pin back Di Maria, where Di Maria now has to, instead of just worrying about Dembele and pressing Dembele, he may have to think, oh, shoot, I also got to watch out for Kunde. Kunde mm-hmm. didn't really do that. So it kind of left Dembele a little bit isolated and having to mark, uh, I think, Di Maria. And, yeah. you know, in the modern game, wingers do have to do some defensive work. And Dembele looked like he never heard that before because he just <laughs> could not convert that. Honestly, yeah. feeling feeling bad for him because he had was having a good tournament. You know, yeah. Um, he was causing a lot of problems, especially in the France Morocco game. Uh, getting down the right hand side. Um, and looking very good, even looking good against uh, uh the England game. So that would be that'd be my reasoning for why so much of the marking, but. It was just a golf, a golfing class, and maybe yeah. Didier Deschamps made a made a mistake there, uh, but he quickly tried to rectify it. And honestly, as it, from a management perspective, I think he did the right he did the right thing because it ended up yeah. working out in his favor as we as yeah. we get on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to make a change at that point because you're basically taking off two guys who's, who have not done anything for the game, and you bring on, instead of just worrying about Mbappe, I mean, Usman Dembele did have speed, but he wasn't doing anything that entire game because Di Maria was bossing that side. So then you bring on mm-hmm. two guys, for um, Turam and Kolomuani, who are going to press that back line and add more speed and be more dangerous, as they had shown in the later stages of games when they came on as substitutes. So, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. He, made, he made the right choice. Yeah, and they had a bit, a bit more defensive noose to them. Because um, I guess mm-hmm. one of the things in one of the podcasts I listened to uh, from After the Whistle, they said immediately once, uh, I think it was Turam came on, immediately made a tackle on Angel Di Maria or Kolo uh, Muani did that. And I was like, yep, that's exactly what Dembele needed to be doing in that situation from a French perspective. So yeah. that's that was the a bit of the change. Yeah. But... Can I can um, I have give a my hot take? take? Yes. Please give your hot take. Yes. Well, my hot take, Andy, is that if Di Maria were healthy and played all 90 minutes or were able to play all 90 minutes and didn't have to be subbed off in the 61st minute, I believe it was, I think Argentina wins the game 2-0. Because okay, put, add, add fuel to this fire. Okay, that's okay. a hot take. Add fuel. Well, here's, here's the fuel, Andy. As soon as Di Maria comes off, the game starts changing for France. Mm-hmm. It was a, mm-hmm. it was a tactical substitution. Di Maria was definitely looking a little lame, um, 
he was looking, you know, he had, hadn't played in the last two games because of an injury, but he was not missing this final for anything. So, and he played his heart out and he gave it his, gave it his all until mm-hmm. Lino Scaloni had to take him off because he was just too injured. It just kind of hobbling a bit to continue, right? Mm-hmm. And then Argentina make a tactical substitution, bringing on Acuna, who's a left back to play a left winger. And he does play more of an attacking style, so it's not a complete, you know, kind of throwaway of a position, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have as much skill, as much want to go forward, and Argentina don't need him to in that time when they're up 2-0. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, you know, at that point, that's when the game started changing, and France started to boss the game a little bit more, have some more possession, and start creating more chances, and they finally managed a shot in the 68th minute, which was seven minutes after Di Maria went out of the game. So, yeah. And that, by no, the way, that, is crazy. 68 minutes yeah. to get a shot. Not even a shot on goal, just a shot, period. Right. That's that's how dominant Argentina was. And even going back to that point that you made there with the tenacity of this Argentina team, this Argentina team looked like a team that would fight together and that had the skill if they needed to create a bit of magic. So it honestly looked like this kind of perfect combination team, even mm. through the group stages and knockout rounds where... If they needed to grit and defend and battle, they were going to do it, and they have the exact right players to do it. And they also had the players that could create a little bit of magic. So just this really unique uh, unique version of Argentina, I would say in comparison to a Brazil, where they're known for being very skillful, being very flair-based, uh, but some of their players don't, besides maybe Casemiro uh, and some of their defenders, they don't have what looks like to be that grit to like make a crunching tackle or like get down, get in the down and dirty of making, making tackles, making defensive plays. So that was something evident in this game leading up to uh, the time Acuna uh, came on. Not that they stopped, but it was just, they were just tired and wearing uh, and they weren't advancing far up the pitch, which then allowed France to take that territory um, not knowing that they didn't have as much pressure. And yeah. first thing that happens is, uh, Kola Mwani, uh, is able to nick a penalty, uh, from one of the defenders, uh, who. Otamendi. He, he drew Otamendi. Yeah. Yeah. So again, even some of these, the penalties that look, they were a bit on the softer side, but when they're called a penalty, no one seemed to, bat an eye that it was a yeah. penalty. I mean, I mean, I'm an Argentina fan, but it was a penalty. Otamendi brought him down from behind. Like, if they were shoulder to shoulder, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been a penalty, but he got beat and felt he had to foul to prevent him from scoring, and that's why the penalty was drawn. Yep, yep, and what happens next? Mbappe scores his penalty, so it's now looking like a game still a little bit a ways away, uh, given how long it took France to just get a shot on target and then get a goal through a penalty, then you're thinking, okay, making it a little nervy, it might get nervy near the end stages where France is going all out. But at this point, to me, it didn't look like there was much that was going to change. And then it did. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, uh, Turam found himself uh, with a little bit of space to play uh, Mbappe into on the attack, uh, lost this little ball over to Mbappe, who has to lean on a little bit on his side, a little bit off balance, but strikes it so beautifully with his first yeah. touch. 
incredible, incredible goal on an incredible stage from a kid who is 23. He is yeah. younger than both of us. And that's yes. just insane to me, um, yeah. making it a tie game. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this, Andy, but Molina, Argentina's right back on that play stopped. After Mbappe mm-hmm. gets off that first pass, before he gets the mm-hmm. return to slot at home on the volley, he stops. And I honestly think it's because he's been defending Mbappe basically the whole game, right? He yeah. has been flying up and down the right side, causing problems for France's defense, but also defending extremely well. Him and Rodrigo DePaul were lights out mm-hmm. in that first half and for most yeah. of the second half, right? Yeah. But here's oh, yeah. the thing. Like, you, you didn't you hear can't... Mbappe's name in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, he had like maybe a couple touches, but you can't do that for 90 minutes against a guy like Mbappe who can strike faster than lightning, right? As you saw Mm -hmm. it here, it's two goals in a minute and a half, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Lionel Scaloni almost lost this final for Argentina. Lionel Scaloni, Mm -hmm. Argentina's manager, almost lost this final. And it's because he made one sub in regular time, and that was Di Maria, only because Di Maria was showing signs of struggling and that he couldn't keep running. Yeah. So yeah. how how do you not see that game start to change and go, hey, we need a sub? Because, mm-hmm. Andy, I'm sitting there yelling at my TV in the 63rd, 64th, 65th minute. I'm like – there was a there was a time when Messi got the ball. Rodrigo DePaul is making a run up the right side, and Messi plays a ball that, you know, in the 15th, 20th minute, Rodrigo DePaul is getting on the end of that and has a breakaway. But Rodrigo mm-hmm. DePaul doesn't even get close because he's been defending, attacking. He's been everywhere, right? It's like, how do you not see that as a manager and go, huh, maybe we should make a change? And yeah, that's where they needed the change. That's where they needed yeah. it was the right side to reinforce, bring on fresh legs to go up against Mbappe, who was starting to look like he was getting in the game a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Or even like switching up the kind of style where it's like you do send all of a sudden start playing more defensive and whatever, but you're playing more maintained possession, which Argentina have the ability to do that if they yeah. wanted to. Um, so yeah, you are, I guess, what they say of asking the questions, you are asking the right questions of Scaloni. Um, yeah. but re- regardless of what happened there, I say I gotta give credit to also uh, Didier Deschamps for the changes that he made because the person who got the goal or got the penalty was yep. a substitution he made in the 41st minute and yep. the person who assisted Mbappe was in the right place to make that assist was also the other substitute so yep. I'm sure probably initially people may have been thinking you know why are you taking off two attackers right in the first half usually that doesn't happen in the soccer game usually those substitutions happen in the 60th 70th minute when people are tiring yeah. Because you're still thinking a player can do it. But uh, kudos to uh, Didier Deschamps because he noticed something needed to change and did it right then and there as opposed to waiting to see maybe how the game turns out. He said, nope, we're going to make this change because I know my players and we're going to try to go for it. Um, so yeah. really big, big baller move from Didier Deschamps and it nearly pays off. It nearly pays yeah. off. Um I don't know if you want to go into the next half of extra time because yeah. I'm still reliving it and I'm getting exhausted just thinking about holy cow what is well, happening because I am like I am like that watching the game I'm watching it with my girlfriend and I'm like I can't believe this is happening I yeah. had left because I thought that Argentina had this in the bag and I'm like oh like let's make some brioche toast and then all of a sudden calling on the brioche toast Either the French like heard that and be like, "Ha ha, someone's using our cuisine. We must, uh, we must uh, uh, infiltrate this uh, this game with our cuisine." 
uh, we can't let them down. And then they scored their two goals. Uh, so just <laughs> incredible was incredible. So then going into uh, extra time, lead, lead me through that, Paul. Well, right after Mbappe's goal goes in the second one, I, I just fall to the ground and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this cannot be happening again. Right. It's the Netherlands mm-hmm. game all over again. Right. Well, then, Andy, the game just explodes, and teams have chances going back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. And, yep. you know, Messi has a chance at the end of regular time, doesn't get a great ball from Acuna, I believe it was. And, you know, France have chances, and it's just – it's pandemonium, right? And then extra time starts, everyone kind of calms down. The first half, nothing really, really happens, you know? And then the mm-hmm. second half of extra time starts, and Argentina starts it off three minutes in with a goal. Lautaro Martinez yeah. probably should have slotted that to Messi with the pass, but he somehow manages to stay on side, smashes the ball right at Lloris, and it happens to fall to Messi's weaker foot. By the way, Messi looked like a shark out of water trying to score that with mm-hmm. his right foot. He almost missed, it looked like. <laughs> but hey, he got oh, enough man. on it, and Kudne was too far in the goal to clear it off the line, and it goes in. Mm-hmm. And I'm going nuts. Yeah. It, well, for, I, I kind of start going nuts, and I'm like, wait, he, I'm like, he was offside to Lartaro Martinez. I'm like, he was offside. And then they show the replay and I'm like, oh my gosh, he was on. And then I start going nuts. Andy, I'm literally mm. with a blanket over my shoulders pretending it's like a flag. I'm jumping up and down in my living room at this point <laughs> for two minutes straight until I get tired. And oh, then... Man. I love it. And then Gonzalo Montiel comes on and off of, a, I believe it was a corner or a set piece, Mbappe gets like a shot from outside the box with plenty of bodies in front of it. Emmy Martinez would have a good shot at it. For some reason, mm. Montiel decides to stick out an arm. And I'm like, yeah. why? Yeah. Why? Like, and Mbappe gets another penalty and scores 10 minutes after Messi's goal. And I'm like, this is going to PKs and I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I saw the, when I saw Montiel with his arm up there, sometimes sometimes I feel for a defender because sometimes those handballs are like in unfortunate positions where you're like, no, like it's just your body moving around. His was his elbow was out and up, and it's like, where? Why would you do that? Why not? Yeah. Like just keep it behind you, take the glory shot. Like if it hits you in the face, like when we were playing baseball, it was like if you get hit like anywhere, like you always like say you got ice or the ball hurt you is going to be hurting more than it's going to hurt you kind of to be like, Hey, take one. If it's going to be in your face, take it because you're doing it for your team. In this situation, it's your world cup. Like take that for the team on your head. Don't use your arms to try to defend yourself. And, and he did. Uh, But let's also say for killing Mbappe, he takes the second penalty. And this is reminiscent of another French game uh, that, happened of England where mm-hmm. Harry Kane stepped up second time against a goalkeeper and Harry Kane ended up missing. Kylian yeah. Mbappe in his penalty in his first penalty goes to his left. Yep. Puts it past uh Martinez. Yep. Does the same thing. Just re- rinse and repeat. Maybe a little bit more power on this one to get it over him. Does the same thing, gets the goal. And this is against Emmy Martinez, who is notorious for being a goalkeeper that you don't want to go to penalties with because he is so crazy. Like he's living for these penalties. He yeah, loves causing chaos. Yeah. He loves, he loves it. So you're going yeah. and doing this and you're 23 years old. Un, just unbelievable. I know I keep yeah. saying he's 23 years old. He is a professional. Absolutely. But the composure on this man 
to do the same thing twice in a game and just having the confidence that you're going to do it and going to beat this person no matter what, no matter if he is a little bit quicker on this next one or if he's reading your mind, he's like, nope, I'm just still just going to put it past him. In yeah. Incredible, incredible scenes. Ab- absolutely, yeah. And the only difference is Mbappe is going up against Emmy Martinez who hasn't really faced him right outside of this game, whereas Harry Kane's mm-hmm. going up against his teammate. That's, I think, was the big the big difference for me. But yeah, mm-hmm. going up n- not only twice, but three times, and we'll get to this, but three times to score against the same goalkeeper on PKs is, it's crazy. But yeah, Andy, it, it, goes, it goes to penalties, and I'm just praying. I am on the ground praying. God's probably like, why is this guy setting up so many prayers? Like, this is out of, this is out of the norm. <laughs> But here, here's what I'm thinking going into it, right? Okay. Emmy Martinez is a PK specialist, like you were just mentioning. He was huge against Colombia in the semis of the Copa America last year, basically single-handedly winning that for Argentina by shutting out Colombia in, in penalties, right? Mm-hmm. He's already done it against the Netherlands. And I'm like, okay, you know, we have – I wouldn't choose any other goalkeeper, right, for this moment. Mm-hmm. Loris is not a PK specialist, right? It's not something he's known for. Yes, he did stop Harry Kane's PK, but that's because Harry Kane hit it over the bar, right? France mm-hmm. has also not been in PKs in this tournament. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that pressure is there. It's a World Cup final, and they haven't done it yet. So mm-hmm. that's kind of that, those are my thoughts going into it. What were yeah. what were you thinking heading into that? The so, the worst and best decider for a game. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny because it is. It's the best and the worst because yeah. from a neutral's perspective, no better way of the drama of having a team, both teams, having played two hours of football, essentially running a marathon in two hours, let's say, and then having them line up on midfield to then walk the whole half of a field to then take a penalty kick. Like, there's no better drama for a neutral. But, oh, my God, if you are a fan of either team, you are – I'm crapping my pants. I can't stand because, like, I can't – I get weird in that I'm trying to put myself in their shoes as they're walking up and be like, okay, mentally, I see it. He's ready. But, like, in looking at them, I can just only imagine how tired they are from running around for two hours. So I am just – Penalties are penalties are crazy, um, and when I think about penalties, I think about confidence and I think about experience. And the thing that France was lacking in these penalties, I think, was experience. Because um, I'll put yeah. some context: they've taken off Olivier Giroud, who is 36. He's played for all the top clubs in Europe, or a lot of the top clubs in Europe, in Chelsea, Arsenal, um, AC Milan. And I think he's still at AC Milan. He might be. He might be somewhere else. Yeah, but no, I think you're right. He, he's he's played in high stakes games, whether it's Champions League games, Premier League games. He has the experience of taking the weight of the world that's watching this game on his shoulders and putting yeah. his team, his clubs, uh, club on the line and willing to convert that. So there's that. There's Antoine Griezmann. Antoine Griezmann got subbed out in extra time, rightfully I think so, because in trying to win the midfield battle, 
you wanted to add more more of a midfielder. Antoine Griezmann's yeah. more of an attacking midfielder. And yeah. Antoine Griezmann, like you said, was forced to defend. The game was changing yeah. in that point. You brought on Fofana, has the legs, and can win a ball back to then get your attackers. So in the game sense, it makes it made sense to me. But when it yeah. comes to penalties, you're now missing Antoine Griezmann, who has also played for the top clubs, who's also a world club world or world champion, he won that with yeah. France. Or he won it with yeah. France four years ago. So you're missing your two most experienced penalty kick takers subbed out. You also don't have your Kareem Benzema. You don't have your Paul Pogba, which actually in this instance might not be the worst thing because Paul Pogba is <laughs> not known for taking great penalties. Um, yeah. But you're missing some big names on or on France. France is missing just big names. And they're yeah. big names because they're experienced names. So now you're having young kids come up in this big situation I think France is at the disadvantage, and I think Argentina still has Lautaro Martinez, has Paulo Dybala, these players that have played for big clubs and big teams. Mm-hmm. I think that was going to play going into these penalties. Um, yeah. So that was those are my thoughts going into it. So what what ends up happening, Paul? Oh my gosh! Well, I am crumpled in a ball on the floor. Um, <laughs> to give you context, I can barely watch. Like I can't, I, I look up basically right as the ref is blowing the whistle. And normally what I do in PKs is I kind of do what you do and I try to figure out, okay, which way has the goalie gone? Which way should, uh, either the goalie dive if it's, you know, Emmy Martinez or whoever's shooting for Argentina. I'm like, okay, you should kick it here. Right. I can't even mm-hmm. think that because I'm like, if I think it's wrong, I'm going to hate myself. So I'm like, right. whatever happens, happens. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Thinking that if you think the wrong thing, that's going to project onto the player yes. who's thousands of miles away, and like your bad, ju- your bad vibes are going to get to him, and he's going to feel those bad vibes. You don't want exactly no, bad. You know, positive vibes only. We only want positive yes. vibes. Yes, you get me so well. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> so, well, Mbappe step, steps up and slots it right. And, um, Emmy Martinez has a chance to get a hand on it, doesn't quite get it, and you know. Great. It was, you know, for his third, second, sorry, no, third. Yeah, it was his third PK of the game to score again. Unbelievable. Massey mm-hmm. comes up. He has already taken a PK against Lloris, right? And we saw what happy, happened with Harry Kane. But Messi did this against Cro, no, against the Netherlands too in the shootout where basically he just stares down the goalkeeper waits for him to make a move and just slides it in the goal. Like no chance of missing unless the goalie sometime somehow guesses the right way after being stared down. Right. Larissa almost mm-hmm. gets a hand on it, but that was so calm and honestly huge cojones for Messi to do that. Yes. In the oh, biggest, yes. the biggest moment of his career. And he's had oh, plenty yes. of big moments before, but to slide it by just like that. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause it looked like, it looked like he actually just hit it straight on initially when he hits it. Uh, cause even my girlfriend made this comment being like, he hit that very slow and like kind of center. And I was like, he did. He did. Yeah. And that's not, <laughs> uh, that's but, not usually how Messi takes penalties, right? It's not like Neymar where he's like shuffling his feet for 20 yards before finally kicking it and like jumping as the goalie's diving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, this, it was, diff- <sighs> it was definitely different, but just still the balls to be able to do that, to have such confidence again in yourself. Uh, especially yeah. with your your team on the line, leading your team from the front, taking penalties. Uh, that's when like you knew it was like, oh man, this is going to be a great penalty shootout. When 
both like the high, the headline names, both emphatically finished their penalties. It was like, okay, this is going to be fun. Yeah. And then Andy Emmy Martinez happened. And to your, to your point, the guy who subbed on for Antoine Griezmann, Coman, he, he missed. Well, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> Emmy Martinez almost saved it with his face. He saved it with like, basically his chest. He missed it with his hands, but yeah. he stepped up. Excuse me. You know what? I he bet Emmy loved it. I bet Emmy loved it getting a save with his face. He'd be like, I'd yes. do anything. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> well, after the Copa America, he said that he would give his life to give Messi a World Cup. And I mean, he he almost kind of did by <laughs> putting his face mm-hmm. down the line. By Like, uh, have you seen the Scott Sterling oh, uh, yes. clip on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Oh, All right, viewers that. or listeners, more homework. Go look up Scott Sterling on YouTube. I think it, the video is like 10 or 15 years old. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. Just you'll thank us later if you haven't already yes. seen it. But oh yeah. But yeah, Emmy Martinez saves. Paulo Dybala steps up and slots it right down the middle. <laughs> and Loris almost gets a foot on it again, um, mm-hmm. but he scores. And you know Argentina's up two one now. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right. And then Chuameni steps up and misses the goal completely. Mm-hmm. And it's reverberations of 2006 all over again, right? When uh, yep. oh, who was that? The guy who came oh. on for Zidane, whose name is slipping my memory. Um, but, you know, Chuameni comes up and misses the goal completely. But Emmy Martinez was in his head. And this is where Emmy Martinez, I think, got his yellow card in, in penalty kicks. Mm-hmm. Is sure. as, as Chuameni is coming up to take the the kick. You know, sometimes the goalie will hold the ball and, like, kind of give it to the striker and kind of, like, stare him down, you know, try to get in his head. Emmy yep. Martinez yep. throws the ball almost all the way out of the 18. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he, he was, gets, I'm pretty sure that's where he gets the yellow card, but makes, makes sense. But the, cause like that is, that is Emmy Martinez though. Like he's, yeah. he's happy to get a yellow card in this, in this game. Like what, what does he have to lose to get a yellow card in the last game of the world cup? Like, yeah, go for it. Well, and again, and then, is young, is young. He's mm-hmm. 22, 23, uh, playing. And so he is not used to having Emmy Martinez yell at him um to take a penalty so that's where i was like uh this is the youth is the youth is showing uh but credit to him for actually still coming up to take a penalty yeah but go on i'm sorry i cut you off no you're good you're good and emmy martinez does this cold absolutely cold shoulder shake like basically staring into the camera you know and oh, i'm yeah. just like oh i remember that yeah, it was I was like, "Oh man, like I he's feeling it, right?" Yeah. And and so who steps up next? It was Paredes. Paredes, by the way, Dybala and Paredes both substitutes and we'll get to them in a second, but he steps up and scores. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Argentina's up 3-1." Like any Argentina has four chances now to win, right? Two chances to mm-hmm. save, two chances to score. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. But Kolo Muani steps up, also very young, right? Mm-hmm. Steps up and slams it. Slams it in the roof of that. Like, I was, I, I applauded him a little bit. The amount of pressure that was on him to score that was like, yeah, I couldn't even imagine. And again, like you've said, very young to, to step up and score that just, Unreal. But then I'm like, yeah. okay, it's okay. Argentina has two chances, two chances to score, and we're okay. Mm-hmm. And 
Gonzalo Montiel, who committed the handball to give France life again, goes from zero to absolute hero and mm-hmm. slots it as Lloris dies the wrong way. And I just, I lose it. Yeah. I am screaming. My brother calls me right after it happens and I am screaming into the phone <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, yeah, I, I, I lost it. I lost it. And I yeah. was trying really hard to, to watch what was going on. Right. But you know, the celebration and everything, cause this is the moment that I've waited for as an Argentina and Messi fan for years and years, right. Since after mm-hmm. 2014. Yeah. And I just, but I'm just like, you call me and yeah, again, I just screaming. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's this is the joy. This is the joy of the of the World Cup because I was I was honestly so happy for you because after after it went I was like geez like where where is Messi like they gotta show Messi like his pursuit his team's pursuit for him trying to do this for him um and Argentina trying to if Argentinians all behind Messi no matter what for for this last one I was like where is where is Messi in all this? And they had, they'd pan to the fans instead. Uh, but I was just thinking of like, you know, that, that pursuit, you know, of going for this in this dream of like all the comparisons Messi had to Maradona, how even initially how Messi had left Argentina because there was such scrutiny under him saying he's no, he's no Maradona. He's El Catalan. Like he's not, he's yeah. not a real Argentinian because he's not taking the team on his back and him being able to finally dispel all of that and get get the world cup that he is definitely, definitely deserved. Um, I was, I was so happy for him. So happy for you and knowing how much of a, you know, messy fan you are um, to Thank go you. through that with him. The person who like you are got exposed to in this gateway drug that is soccer um, yeah. or that he was your gateway drug into soccer, excuse me, um, to see that come to come to fruition uh, and definitely see this man become the, one of the greatest players of all time. And now like, undisputedly now i think it's kind of a thing now that ronaldo's not going to come close because he's not going to have a world cup um yeah that can be debated of course but i think now it's messy is messy is number one because of because of this um yeah. so i was i was i was over the moon for you so congratulations <laughs> man really really well done yeah they, well i didn't do anything but i mean honestly after the heartbreak <laughs> of 2014 when argentina ha- Excuse me. I'm getting emotional. Not really. I'm just choking on air over here. Mm. Um, when Argentina has chances to win in 2014 and come up just short. Mm. When Argentina has chances to win in 2016 in the Copa America and come up just short and penalty kicks and Messi misses a penalty. And Messi decides that he's retiring from international football. Like we've – the Messi fans, the Argentina fans have been on a roller coaster with Messi in the national team. For years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But just to finally see him get this crowning achievement, oh, it was absolute relief, and I couldn't stop smiling the rest of the day. And it was, oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. And yeah, well, it's great, and it couldn't happen to a better team, I think, too, because yeah, there were videos so many times, videos surfacing, and hearing what inspirational words Messi was saying is like everyone as as a team, what we're doing for Argentina, you know everyone's on board fighting for each other. And like that tenacity that they showed on the field, it was very genuine because you could see how hard they were working for each other. And that is, was so different than the other teams in the past. Uh, so really for this to yeah. come together for this team, 
I think makes that just a little bit more special. Yeah, definitely. And like you were saying, everyone's saying it everywhere on social media, everyone's saying as a team, any interview they're in, they're like, we're in this together. We're in this for Messi, right? We want to mm-hmm. get Messi his, his World Cup. So, uh, and should we go into the rewards real quick? Cause otherwise I'll just gush about Argentina for like 50 minutes. Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's go into it for sure. <laughs> uh, Enzo Fernandez, best young player. What just quick, your thoughts on that. I know you were thinking someone else should have won it. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, Julian Alvarez for his role and what he's played. Uh, but honestly, if you're looking back at it for, from a, maybe a more holistic perspective, having the midfielder that kind of made it all tick and Enzo Fernandez being able to have such a accomplished professional performance yeah. and playing as a young player, you know, I think that's that's totally fair for it to go to him. It had it had to be someone from Argentina. It it had to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean he was lights out scoring goals, boss in the midfield, like you said, definitely, definitely deserving. Um Emmy Martinez wins the Golden Glove. Oh, Andy, yes. oh yeah, his celebration. Yeah, um, I don't know if we can go too much into the celebration uh, no. because of our because of our podcast, but let's yes. just say he placed it in an area of his body that was somewhat suggestive of what that body part might look like if exposed. Yes. So, and. I I just got to say it is this is why you love this is honestly why I love soccer because actually for there's for two for two reasons um and it's not not what you think it is uh one is just the actually now what the first thing I'm going to say might might lead you to think that but when I was watching this I'll preface this when I was watching the game you're seeing all these people get emotional and you're seeing grown men you know break down into tears and you're seeing them hug and you're seeing them leap on each other. Uh, and so the first thing my girlfriend mentions is like, my gosh, this is like the gayest sport like, that I have seen. Like these people are being gayer. And like I've been to Boys Town, which is an area that's very like is populated with LGBTQ plus individuals. So her to say that was like, oh, man, that's 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 something. Um, so one, just the ability to see these celebrations uh from individuals and letting them like just to show everything and their emotion what they're putting into it love love that aspect of soccer and that you can show emotion and the second part is because of that you can get such great content of people just being absolute dummies like (laughs) martinez using the glove to uh, show off his show off his thing like, yeah, and <laughs> a world presence. Him just being able to do that, and people just being like, ah, whatever. Like if the end of, if something happened in the NFL, I've, like everyone would have to try to cover it up for that. But because it's because it's soccer, everyone's like, hey, that's hilarious. And I I'm here for that. I'm here for that kind of <laughs> that kind of uh crap house as they call it. Yeah, and that humor. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah that insanity. I love it. I love yeah. the insanity and of it. Honestly. I think it's very South American too. I feel like South Americans mm-hmm. are very more open about being suggestive and, you know, things about the naked body that, you know, people maybe in the US or the Far East or the Middle East wouldn't, you know, think to do or or 
even let it cross their mind, right? As an example, mm-hmm. Andy, right after Montiel scores his penalty and they're panning the Argentinian crowd going ballistic, there's a topless woman in the Argentinian front row going ballistic. Man. So, oh, man. you know, very South American. Yes, yes, yeah. Did not did not see it, so I I'll take your word for it, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can find it. It's out. I'm sure it's out there. Um, um, I can't now with my my girlfriend's dad watching or listening to this podcast. I can't say on it. I'm going to see it. I wasn't saying necessarily you. I was just saying you, like the listeners, if they want to find it, I'm sure they can. Oh find yeah, it. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you guys can find it. Yeah, us in yeah, community relationships. Can, uh, yeah. Nah. Nah, 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 fam. Uh, <laughs> uh, going from that smooth transition into Mbappe winning the golden boot, I mean, he was the best goal scorer of the tournament. In my mind, the second best player of the tournament, too, so well-deserved. Mm. And he honestly mm-hmm. basically single-handedly carried this French team to PKs. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Like, he, again, put the team on his back, so to speak, uh, with his performance. And again... Such an accomplished performance late into the game, scoring the most crucial goals. Uh, again, his ability to just not look phased, I think, is one of his greatest qualities as a player where you just can't read him. You can't see if he's tired. You can't see if he's flustered. You know, what he's able to do with the ball as well and the speed that he has it at is is impeccable. And we got to see that all today with with his penalties, with the goal he scored from open play. You know, he's... He's definitely up and coming, uh, but there had to be yeah. only one winner for the for the golden ball, though. Yep, Messi. I mean, mm. no, I enough said. I mean, I don't think we need to really go into that just because he was the most crucial to his team's success. He finally gets his World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly mm-hmm. going back to the Golden Glove, though, I I thought. Lavakovic from Croatia should have won the Golden Glove. I think he was the better goalkeeper. I don't think Emmy Martinez had a great tournament. I think he had mm-hmm. a, a really good end to the final. And honestly, that save Andy in the 123rd minute with France's basically last kick of the ball, yeah. which was, oh, I don't remember who it was that was on goal number 12. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was Kolo Moani, um, who was one-on-one. Been, yeah with the keeper and Emmy Martinez kick save in an absolute beauty to quote. Yeah. Stu Holden, I believe it was the color commentator for the, the English broadcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then basically that sprung another chance going down the other way for Argentina to have a chance to win it. I mean, he was, mm. he had it, like I said, he had a great end to the final and yes. I don't think he had a great tournament overall, which to me, I think Lavakovic should have won it, but I don't get mm-hmm. to make those decisions, and and Argentinian Argentinian won it, so I'm extremely happy. Yes, yeah, cannot cannot complain with that. Um, there was something you did have a did have more of a say in, and that was the bracket results. Um, so yep. do you want to do you want to hold that over my head for for a little bit? I'll give you some for, uh, give you some space to do that. How about for a few years until the next World Cup? <laughs> A few is four years. I gotta start counting. Oh my gosh. Well, a few is more than two, so four. Yeah, right. Uh, no, I mean bracket results. Real quick, we will post these as well to our socials. It was uh, you, you against me, and Z decided to put her two cents in. Andy, unfortunately, you kind of struggled going into the the semis and the finals, and mm. you didn't get either finalist right, so you finished with nine points. 
Yeah, makes this this makes sense. So I think if you're saying Z has two cents, I think she what she did was she was able to invest that wisely, either in Acorn or whatever business, and she made more. Yes. Where I just had two cents and got nine cents out of it. Yeah. Well, for those of us who didn't, or for those of you who didn't listen last week, we did one point for every winner picked in the first round, and then doubling it every thereafter. So if you got the champion right, you got eight points. So Z finished with 26 points and just went ahead because I picked Japan or Croatia over Japan and she picked Japan. I finished with 27 points. So, and I'm not going to gloat. I'm not going to do it, but I think this is the first time where I've picked a champion from the start and got it right. Yeah. (laughs) And all my years of March madness brackets and everything. uh, Yeah. That's a, a that miracle. is impressive. That's 100% that is impressive. But what I'll say is more impressive is that I had called the Morocco upset um yes. which I don't think either Z or you had. So Correct. I'm just going to put that out there. And if that's my whole 9 points and I had Morocco, I'm happy to have that. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I mean kudos <laughs> to you. You definitely you definitely picked the upset of the tournament, that's for sure. Um Andy, do you want to go into some of our takeaways as we are starting to get to the end of this very long episode again? Hey, there's just there's so much soccer and it's it's yes. World Cup fever. Um, it is. What I what I will say, I think takeaways from this World Cup is again kind of how we how we framed the start of this World Cup of mm-hmm. that you know this is controversial World Cup, but this is a world cup that needs to be remembered for the good and the bad, the good in that the soccer we were able to see the delight it was able to bring to different fans. But this took place in a, a world of a world of bad. Um, yeah. I had heard uh, a reporter from another podcast that I listened to uh, call this a synthetic world cup uh, in meaning not that the football, but the scene in which it took place where we had reporters not being able to conduct their job and report, uh, having people being stopped and going into uh, games just because they were wearing something that had multicolored like a rainbow, um, mm-hmm. that this took place in a country that sees LGBTQ plus as a crime and mm-hmm. that doesn't respect uh, workers' rights at all. So in in having that, I think this World Cup has to be phrased in that context. And it's hard to kind of see, and it's definitely easy to get, kind of get lost, in my opinion, on that this is the best World Cup ever. Uh, but I would say let's refrain from calling it the best World Cup ever because that's exactly what Qatar, the state of Qatar, wants to hear because yeah. they want people to remember Qatar as – this great venue and this great world cup. And so in so doing, think of Qatar as great. Yeah. In so doing that, we're going to lose sight of the atrocities that they have committed uh, in trying to get this world cup on their stage. So yeah. I think for, for me, it's been a, the takeaway is trying to find the balance between the good that this world cup came from and the bad that this world or the good that came out of this World Cup, but the bad that allowed this World Cup to happen in this way. Um, so yeah. that's kind of my my big takeaway. Um, and you could see that too. I'll make this one final final um, tidbit of Messi having to wear a Qatari bisht 
which said traditional dress over his jersey when he lifted the World Cup trophy. Um, that to me, seeing that is kind of again what we've been talking about of this sports washing, the syntheticness where yeah. seemingly like Qatari individuals want to claim this World Cup as theirs by yeah. saying we've given Messi, we've given this to Messi, which this isn't wasn't given to Messi. This was something he and the Argentinian team had worked for to make it happen. Yeah. Um, so to try to put, try to put their, try for Qatar to try to put their little two cents in to say, well, we, we did this, um, just kind of made it feel more synthetic and didn't allow Messi to really enjoy the aspect that he did this for Argentina. So I'll kind of leave it at that of, you know, such great, great image of seeing Messi be able to lift the world cup, but having this bish draped over him. I would say kind of encapsulates what this World Cup was. A great sight to see, but also very visible is this cloak of darkness over over him. So Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And if anyone's joining us new new to the podcast and you go back to listen to our part one of the World Cup and the lead up, you know, we definitely touch on some of the social justice issues and, and things like that. So definitely worth a listen. Um Going back more to the the on the field stuff, you know, as we said at the beginning and kind of throughout the tournament, Argentina was the most complete team. And I think you saw that from how they kind of persevered in that final and over the course of the tournament, becoming only the second nation in the history of the World Cup to lose their opening group stage game and win the the World Cup. You know, the only other team being Spain in 2010. So, you know, absolute amazing amazing work from them and just i couldn't be prouder as a, as a fan of of the argentinian national team and of messi to to have witnessed that for sure mm-hmm. and andy i don't know about you but that was the best dang final in game of soccer that i have ever watched i i have to agree i have to agree that was an incredible final to see two teams to see the tactics to see it become a classic I think is incredible. And then to see what's going to happen. So we know like, as we get older, there are going to be movies, documentaries, books, magazines, you name it are going to be created because of this game. Um, So I think just trying to live in this moment of witnessing this great uh, game of soccer unfold uh, to really make a lot of fans uh, in in this World Cup and for people to get into to get into the sport, I think is is huge. So this could be this game specifically may uh, is going to have reverberations around the world and throughout history. Uh, so this is yeah. going to be this is incredible. Absolutely. And my takeaway with France, Andy, France is scary good. And like you've mentioned it multiple times throughout this podcast, how young they are. I mean, to me, I think they're the front runners for 2026, just based yeah. on their talent and everything. Yeah, I think they're they're still set up well for success. They have a great talent pool. And with a manager in Didier Deschamps, I'm a big Didier Deschamps fan. Uh, you probably, guys could probably have guessed that by the time <laughs> I said his name. Um, just a I, little. He's he's good. I think he looks like Ferb from um, Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, and he does. I and like <laughs> I loved Ferb. I thought Ferb was so smart, like Didier Deschamps. So you know what? That's that's all the explanation you guys need. Yes. <laughs> um, 
but I think they're they're set up well for success uh, later with their youth. Uh, let's hope that they can turn that talent into something which uh, Belgium was not able to do. Uh, in terms of talking about like the teams that disappointed, uh, we had said that you know Brazil, Germany, Belgium, uh, Portugal, even Mexico. These are our takeaways that they they disappointed. So they have a lot yeah. of work to do. I think especially with Belgium, where this is the end of their golden generation, and we don't know if there is going to be as talented of a generation that comes back. So maybe we'll see them qualify. Maybe, maybe not. So this might be their, yeah. this might've been their uh, time in history. <sighs> quick, quick sidebar, Andy, I'm going to go into the, a quick story here. Mm-hmm. I've seen social media posts and even had a conversation with a coworker today about how people think that the world cup was rigged for Messi to win. And it's, it's honestly, it's really frustrating, especially given all the hard work that, that he's put in right to, for people to cheapen it by just saying, Oh, it was rigged. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I saw a funny Twitter post yesterday where someone posted that, Oh yeah. uh, Argentina paid off the grass and the ball to win. Like, like, yeah, I think I, you know, I may, I may go off on a limb a little bit. I think again, like it's very disrespectful to, Argentina and the team, I think, by suggesting that, um, yeah. so shortly after, where this is again, like, this is a team. These are professionals that they want a clean, they want a clean game too, because they're not going to want it completely marred in, you know, filth by that. So to yeah. suggest that, like, Messi would have required that to win is, I just think, disrespectful and disrespectful to even a little bit the Argentinian people thinking that that's what they would have wanted. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you with that frustration uh, as well as some other frustrations where I saw that of course now there's report from, or an article on ESPN uh, that's saying that Aurelian Chouameni and um, uh, shoot, what was his, what is his name? Uh, Kingsley Com- Coleman. Um, yeah. They're getting a subject to racist abuse in, in France. So like this, this stuff has to stop. I don't consider those yeah. individual, any individual that would say any racist remarks towards these, uh, young men that stood up for their country, uh, and tried to represent them with grace, uh, as anything more than they des- they deserve a lot more. Like no one could do what yeah. they could do in that situation. Um, so all this kind of talk of conspiracy in that sense or any sort of racist remarks cannot, cannot not cannot not condone this more um yeah if that makes sense uh because yeah i got you just ridiculous it is it is and then finishing off our our takeaways from the world cup Messi's the goat now i mean we might have a podcast in the future debating ronaldo versus Messi, but this was the only thing standing in what some people thought was Messi's way of winning a world cup Mm -hmm. uh was winning the world cup was taking away from his goat status and yeah he can just set that on the table and walk away now. I mean, not that yeah. he has to defend himself, but any any fans having that debate can just say, "Hey, World Cup 2022, goodbye." Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think now it's I think what's happened is obviously anyone can debate as one of the best of all time for anybody because it is a team sport. So you can yeah. talk about people's talents, people's qualities, but I think this does put Messi into almost the messianic category of a soccer player 
as someone that can be worshipped like like a where you've seen it as like a Maradona or a Pele, uh, that yeah. he's now in this pantheon of greats. Not that there aren't others that can join. People can argue that for Ronaldo, but I think this cements it in the story of Messi uh, as one of the greatest soccer careers of all time and as one of the one of the best players of all time. So definitely have to take that and appreciate that for sure. Yeah. All right, Andy, we're, we're down to the last, last segment of our podcast. Thank you guys for listening. If you've made it this far to this mm. long, long winded to us old farts talking about this great game. <laughs> it is super sub of the week time and we have five for the first time yeah. ever, Andy. We have five super subs of the week. Yeah. I am nominating the, the three gentlemen from Argentina who came on and converted all of their penalties very clutchly. Uh, Paulo Dybala, who came on in the 121st minute. Um, basically was not in the game and came on and slotted the second penalty home to kind of take the advantage in the, in the penalty shootout. Leandro Paredes and Gonzalo Montiel for finishing it off. Uh, just great, great work from them. I mean, mm-hmm. basically Messi can't take any, every penalty, right? And like you said, it's a team sport. So you gotta have, you gotta have the support. You gotta have the guys to back you up. So. Absolutely. And they, and they came through when, when their team needed most, when their country needed the most. So these guys are, these guys are national heroes and should definitely be remembered as national heroes, uh, yeah. for the work that they've done, uh, on and off the, the field. Uh, I have my two super subs in a bit of a different take. Uh, I have Randall Colo Moani and Marcus Toram from France as the super subs because their introduction allowed Mbappe to tie the game and end up creating what could have been a very dull Argentina 2-0 victory into this great drama of two goal, four goals scored, uh, two from each team in the first 90 minutes, then one goal each scored by each team in the extra time, followed by penalties uh, in dramatic fashion. So for that game, those super subs and what they were able to do to impact the game I think changed the landscape. So those are yep. those are my super subs of the week. Definitely. Perfect. All right, so Andy, we are bring going, us home. We are <laughs> going to wrap it up. So for all of our listeners uh in the US, outside of the US, uh want to thank you again for uh listening to us. We will come back next week where we will go back into club soccer. Yes, do a quick turnaround and talk about how our teams who have Argentinians and French uh, individuals are going to come back into this crazy world now of club soccer that's had a break in the middle of its season and now has players that are very, very either tired or very, very happy or both um, coming, <laughs> coming back to play. So we are, yeah. we will break all that down, but thank you again for listening. Paul has been Paul. I have been Andy. And with that, I want to wish you all a very, very good. Bye. Bye.